As Don just said, this is in my notes right here, this paragraph, you'll recall the Lord gave me a dream where we were all on this body of water in a boat and we were, the waves were coming and the storm was coming up and the Lord sent us a message that said, stay in the boat, stay in my wake and you will be covered. I felt like that dream, just like Don said a while ago, has proven true time and time again over the last three years or so that every wave that has come to our nation has been met by a praying church. Have you noticed how people are saying, we're praying about this and we're praying about that? And I think it's been a guiding principle, that message, for us individually and as a body and even as a nation. Steady the course, stay in the boat, don't fear the storm, and keep your eyes on him. I want to just read this morning. We're going to read one of those passages today that I mentioned a month or so back where it doesn't need much commentary because the story is intact in itself. We're going to be reading in Acts chapter 6. If you want to turn there, I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. I really do like this version. Um, I also like the New Living Translation. Both of those are very good, solid uh, versions of the Bible. And so that's what I'm going to be reading this morning. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Stay in the boat. Keep your eyes on him. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. And they put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place and the law. And for we have heard him say, now again, this is false witness. This is not true. This is what they were saying of him. For we have heard him say, that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze upon him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. The false witnesses fabricated fabricated these stories out of nothing. 
Sounds familiar today, does it not? Twist the truth, ignore the truth, and then disparage those who tell the truth. So Stephen was full of grace and full of God's power of the Holy Ghost, and he was performing these miracles and preaching Christ with great results, and they couldn't stand it. But he was brought before this council in the synagogue of freedmen. Now, commentators vary on who the freedmen were. Some say that they were Gentile converts or uh, proselytes to Judaism who were then enslaved by Romans and then who subsequently, subsequently were set free. But others say they were natural-born Jews, but either way, they were also enslaved by the Romans. And it's thought that Saul of Tarsus, before Jesus got a hold of him on the road to Damascus, was a leading member of this council. But regardless of who they were, the Bible describes them as lying witnesses and their inability to acknowledge truth and to withstand the miracles of God. They couldn't hear the message of Christ. Verse 15 says that they all, to the man, witness the glory of God on Stephen's face when they saw his face as though he were an angel. In chapter 7, all 50 verses of the first part of chapter 7, Stephen proceeds to defend himself, and he defends his belief as a Jew, as a believer in Moses, the fathers, the history, all of this he rehearsed before them, including God's providential hand over them and the many times that God had led them through and delivered them out of hardships and bondage that they were in. And then he proceeded, look at chapter 7, verse 51. Then he proceeded to bring the heart of the message home in verse 51 when he challenged them with the truth about Jesus. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your hearts and your ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as our fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous ones, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by the angels, yet you did not keep it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. The New Living Translation says of this verse, they were so infuriated that they shook their fists in his face, and they were grinding their teeth at him, the evil one himself being manifested in them. The next part of the story, verse 55 Stephen's home going. But being full of the Holy Spirit, 
Stephen gazed intently into the heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and Stephen locked his eyes on Jesus. He stayed in the boat, if you will, shining with the glory of God like an angel. In verse 56, he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and they covered their ears and they rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive now my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8 goes on, I'm not going to read that, telling us that from this day forward, Saul began persecuting and ravishing the church until Jesus found him on the road to Damascus. I'm going to play you a story, Don, if you would get it queued up, please, that I heard about a year ago. It's fairly short. And it just so happened that it came back around to me through a friend of mine on Wednesday morning as I was preparing this message. And I thought that this is a perfect depiction of keeping our eyes on the Lord, locking eyes with him, keeping our focus on him during hard times. Even in the presence of evil, we can keep our eyes on the Lord. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane and I looked at it and I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, 
We're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, Tell, we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on and said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. Do you realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. 
He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. Knock at my door. I open the door and a man was standing there, he said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through a living sacrifice holy. There are many voices that are vying for our attention, but there's only one. There's only one that has the power to take us through and to get us home safely. Stephen saw it with his own eyes, knowing my end is near. They're going to kill me now. But he said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Father, I pray this morning that this very anointed message, Lord, will remind us to shut out the voices that isn't yours, and just listen to you. Father, it is easy to get distracted. It's easy to get disoriented in this, in this mess that we live in on this earth. But you've said, stay in the boat. Listen to me. Follow me. Many times you've said these words to us in various ways. Lord, I know that some may face very difficult situations and they may need to look up and see you standing in order to get them through. And Lord, I pray for those who are not in the boat yet. 
Oh God, I call them to you in the Holy Spirit that you would call their name and that they would respond so that they too will be safe and saved. Oh God, each one that we call secretly in prayer, Lord, we bring them to you now and we lift them up and say, oh God, save them too. For it's not just for ourselves that we pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fastened upon you. And that the world can see you shining on our face as we do. Like the world saw Stephen's face as though he were an angel. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the assurance that you have the power to see us through no matter what rages in front of us. Give us strength today in the Holy Spirit like Stephen had. Oh, full of the Holy Spirit like Stephen was, Lord. Oh, that it bubbles out of us that the world can see and that it keeps clarity in us to hear your voice. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one gathered here today to worship your name. And I ask that you be with each and every one, Lord, this week. Give strength to the weak, O oh God. Give strength to the spiritually weak, O oh God. And let us come back next week, Lord, with a testimony in our heart of how you've touched a loved one, how you've brought a lost soul to you, Lord Jesus. It's what we need for those around us to come to you and to know your voice as well. And Father, we ask all of these things today in your precious, precious Son's name, that name above everything, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.